Do you need a break? You read my mind. Come with me. Come with me, and you'll be in a world beyond imagination. I always love that song from, uh, is it from Willy Wonka? I think it is. I still have to go and watch that new movie. I love Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory as a story. I can't believe I haven't been to the theaters yet. Welcome to this episode of The Break, number three of the year 2024. And I am so looking forward to doing this every Wednesday on uh, the same at the same time. So I'm streaming this live as I'm recording this. And the difference with last year is that I'm going to try as much as I can to always stream this live so you can join me live and actually, you know, have like a like a, a more personal uh, experience of the show um, every Wednesday at 6 uh, p.m. Central European time. So that's Amsterdam time, um, noon, uh, Easter, East, East Coast, not Easter Coast, <laughs> the Easter Islands, no, noon <laughs> uh, in, in New York and um, 9 o'clock in the morning Pacific time. So you can just mark it in your calendar. I will do whatever I can to be here every week. And of course, if you can't make it for whatever reason or you're in some part of the world where you are asleep during that time, then there's always the podcast and there's always the live stream on my YouTube channel. Uh, just go to Father Roderick. That's my main YouTube channel. So, uh, this show is brought to you thanks to my patrons. If you want to join the community and support the work that I do, and I really um, uh, depend on the support of my patrons, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick, and you get an extra long version of this show, the premium edition, where I talk about a lot of stuff that I can't cram into the public show. So, if you want a little bit of extra, um, as a thank you for your patronage, go to patreon.com slash fatherroderick. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This still remains one of my favorite scenes of the Ahsoka television series. It, it was such a nostalgic moment where they they in, they integrate that opening sentence of Star Wars, the first thing I ever saw in my life when it comes to Star Wars, because that's how the first movie started, that they integrated that into the canon of the story itself and having that conversation, you know, a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, kind of bringing back the, the magic of storytelling into the world of Star Wars itself. Star Wars is not just a story, but it's it, ha it contains a lot of stories within the stories. And that's what I love about the news that came out in these past few weeks. Uh, about these new movies. We get four Star Wars movies, and there are lots of theories about how all of a sudden they, they brought us the news of this fourth movie, which apparently is going to be the first one we're going to see in theaters. And one of those theories says, well, maybe because the movie that would feature Rey, Rey Skywalker, is in trouble. Maybe there, there have been some, you know, there's a power struggle. There's always the same stories when it comes to Star Wars. There's a certain part of the fandom that is um, only interested, it seems, in negative stories. And so 
stuff. They always spin something, and then, of course, sometimes Disney reacts. Most of the time, they don't. But apparently, from what I've heard, there are no problems when it comes to that movie. Um, it, I, I think it's just pragmatic. It's, it's a marketing decision. We haven't seen Star Wars in theaters for many years now, and uh, Grogu and The Mandalorian are the most recognizable, fresh Star Wars faces or characters that people can relate to. And even if you don't watch the series on Disney+, Plus, everybody has seen the merchandise. Everybody has a Baby Yoda or a Grogu. Um, even kids that have never seen a single minute of Star Wars. And so I think it's a very smart marketing move to push that movie as the first story. Plus, as I mentioned last week, they probably already have everything in place. What I speculated last week um, is that they were also going to film another season of The Mandalorian. And it turns out that that may actually not be the case. It could very well be that instead of a new season of The Mandalorian, this movie is going to be the continuation of that story. So personally, I hope that we will get another TV series. However, um, I wouldn't be... I wouldn't be surprised if next year, so 2025, uh, we will get um, Andor and season two of Ahsoka. And that The Mandalorian is not as important uh, to Disney to keep subs people subscribed to Disney+. Plus. They'll have two series, two television series every year, uh, live action series, and then some animation. And that's probably going to be enough. They do have to somehow also cut costs apparently and so i'm thinking probably the movie is going to be the continuation of the television series um and and then we'll see from there if if they're still um you know enough in that story to continue uh, to go back to tv or i don't know maybe if it's a, a massive box office hit they will do a trilogy with with grogu and and the mandalorian who knows um there was also some some news about the movie featuring Ray, um, and that was more related to the fandom, and, and I want to address it here on the show as well. Um, you know me. I always love to talk about my passion for Star Wars, how much I love Star Wars, how much it means to me, even the stuff that maybe from an objective point of view is, you know, not the best storytelling or the best production value. There, Since Disney took over, of course, we, it, it's been a bit all over the place in terms of quality, although in general it's all Star Wars, so for me it's all good. It's just you have good and you have better. And of course, I, as a Star Wars fan, I want everything to be the best because Star Wars deserves it. But uh, in, in reality, of course, given the, the, the constraints of the production and the incredible amount of stories that had to be told in such a short time uh, because they wanted to build up the the audience for Disney Plus. I understand that not everybody, not everything could be top notch. Um, but uh, when it comes to this this story about Ray and her the continuation of her story, um, the, the we had this this whole controversy online when it comes to the what the director had said about how she likes to likes to make man feel uncomfortable. I talked about that last week. No need to repeat that here. But what is interesting, what is new, is that that particular um, very sour, very toxic type of talk about the movie uh, with, with Ray um, 
all of a sudden saw a, 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 a re-emergence of the fans, of the, the fans that love Star Wars. Because there was this one um, Star Wars YouTuber um, who has a channel called Star Wars Theory. He's been around for, for, for many, many years. He started as a very enthusiastic Star Wars fan who would just make videos, mostly talking head videos about his love for Star Wars. But then the last couple of years, he started to become more and more negative and now it's even like it's it's all very kind of political and uh his channel seems to thrive from all the toxicity and all the controversy and and so he was like doing video after video on how much star wars is going in the wrong direction and and Kathleen Kennedy should be fired because she has messed up Star Wars. And and it's completely nonsense because since Kathleen Kennedy took over, we've also seen Andor, we've also seen many incredible uh, new developments within Star Wars. And all that is, can be attributed to her leadership. And so I don't, I I don't buy that for a second, but I I think that, this guy is, is 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 using the controversy to get eyeballs to make money. It's oftentimes as simple as that. It's just a way to make more money. Because the more people are engaged with the video, the more those the algorithm will spread that content and so the more money he makes off the advertisements. It's sad. But unfortunately, this is a certain marketing technique to use controversy to be as polemic as possible so that you get a lot of reaction and a lot of engagement. Even if it's negative, some people don't care as long as it makes them money. What I found extremely heartwarming is that in one of his uh, shows, he had someone on his show that he interviewed, who said, uh, this was a lady, and she said, Star Wars is not for women. Star Wars is not for girls. Star Wars is for boys, it's for men. And then you saw this incredible reaction from the female part of the fandom, and it's it's huge. It, this is a global movement. And so you had so many women and girls coming out uh, of the, well, I shouldn't say coming out of the woodwork, they've been around in, in the realm of Star Wars fandom since forever, but they were making videos, how much Star Wars meant to them and how much it empowers them as a, as a girl, as a woman, and how much Star Wars is also about women and how strong women have always been part of, of Star Wars, starting with Princess Leia, for goodness sakes. How can you say that Star Wars is not for women if, if you've seen one minute of The New Hope? <laughs> Leia is, is, the, is one of the main characters there, and, and she is the, the one that constantly moves the story forward. So it's so nonsensical. But it was also what I loved about the way in which many people reacted was that instead of being vitriolic themselves and and lashing out and being making angry videos and rebuttals and whatnot, almost every video that I saw in defense of Star Wars, in defense of women in Star Wars, were positive videos where they did address the negativity, but they said, you know what? It's wrong. It's so not true because this is what Star Wars has meant for me since I was a young girl. And what I also thought was very beautiful was that you get this very young generation, and I say this as you know, having the age of Obi-Wan Kenobi uh, myself, you have this, these, these young girls who actually got to know Star Wars through the character of Rey. 
who saw The Force Awakens when they were eight years old. And they dressed up as Rey and on, on, on parties. And that brings me back to the way in which I was introduced to the world of Star Wars as a young boy, also eight years old, and I dressed up like Luke Skywalker. And so for them, Rey is the new Luke Skywalker. And so for them, it's so incredibly hurtful to have someone say, well, you're a girl, so Star Wars is not for you. When the, when Star Wars was is to them just as important as Star Wars is, was has been to me for my entire life. Who, you know, what gives someone the right to be a gatekeeper for what I am supposed to like and what I, is supposed to be anyway? I think that I was waiting for this reaction. I was waiting for the Star Wars fans to show the power of positive fandom where you share what makes a story dear to you because you cannot argue with that as long as you put it on a political plane it's like oh well star wars has become woke or or star wars is just all about feminism nowadays it's it's so contradictory as well because on the one hand they say it's too woke it's too feminist and then on the other side they say uh, star wars is for man only it's like Okay, so what exactly do you want? <laughs> but um, what I what I actually love is that um, the it's almost the fans feel like rebels, and they're they're taking back their universe, and all these gatekeepers, all these people that seem to be so in, in, so full of of dark side energy, always trying to hurt other people, to hurt the franchise, to complain and to whine, all that melts away when it's confronted with a positive personal story because that's personal it's you know if, if you if you say i love star wars because ray has been a role model for me no one can can take that away from you and i'm glad that star wars fans are speaking up because this is something broader than star wars when it comes to negativity in media surrounding everything nowadays we have a tendency to our first reaction is either we we don't say anything we don't want to get involved now move along. These are not the droids you're looking for. Or we get angry. And then we, we, we hit back because someone is... Uh, we let ourselves, we allow ourselves to be hurt and affected by the opinion of someone we don't even know. But we still feel... And this is what's been going on for years now on social media. It's like this reaction, counter-reaction. I, I insult you, uh, then I, can, I have the right to insult you. None of that leads to anything positive. And it's and it's it's um, this bitterness that pervades our Western society. I think is maybe the the the, the biggest sign that the dark side is real. <laughs> this the, all the division and it comes just from words. It's words. What kind of words do you speak? Do you speak words that are building up someone who, that are v putting in the forefront what's positive? about the way you experience media and stories? Or are you always looking for what's negative? Think of the way you were raised as a child. Imagine parents that are only always pointing out what is wrong with you, the things you do wrong, the things you can't do, the things you messed up. How does that affect you as a child? How, how, how does it affect the world around you? It, it, and then... Next to that, think of parents that are affirming, that are, you know, yes, correcting mistakes, but always from the perspective, we want this child to grow, we want to help. We were once children as well. We too um, have our flaws. But let's 
together try to seek how we can build each other up. That's the kind of education that that makes people flourish and and uh, and grow and and get strong and 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 be positive themselves. And I think this is true. We're all in a certain to a certain extent educators of one another. We all have a responsibility in our words. It's not just that, oh, but nobody knows who I am on social media, so I can just say whatever I feel. But you know what? We should think before we say something. And I always remember what Yoda says about uh, what wars in general, uh, and it also applies to the culture wars and the wars with words that we uh, find ourselves in uh, every day. Wars don't make one great. Wars don't make one great. So don't take pride in oh, I'm such an, uh, I'm so able on the internet to to parry the attacks from the enemy, and then I'm I'm even more witty and more. No, just speak up when someone is is hurting other people, but always counter negativity and aggression with positivity, with affirmation, with joy. Nothing can resist that. That is, the, I think, the heart of the story of Star Wars. This powerful empire that thinks that only power can keep everybody in line is completely demolished and crushed by the enthusiasm, the joy, the friendship, and the bond of these young rebels. And they're not very loud in the universe of Star Wars. And, and the same is true for, I think, for a lot of Star Wars fans. They're not very loud. It seems as, you know, if you don't make your money off of uh, controversy, then you, you the algorithm doesn't notice you, but it doesn't mean that your voice doesn't count. And, and, and that's what I loved about what happened this past week. It's like all of a sudden I was like, oh, my gosh, the Star Wars fans are still here. And, and they show the world what Star Wars is truly about. And I want to join them. I, this is a rebellion that I, I am, that I love and that I want to be a part of. The most beloved fantasy story of all time. It is the tale of a small hobbit and the great wizard who appeared to him one day. All right, dude, check it out. Go like that way and then up this one mountain and then kill all the hippies you come across. No, no, I'm searching for a dragon's treasure. I'm the wizard, you're the dwarf, and you will respect my authority. I am no dwarf. Do you know that I'm actually walking to Mordor as we speak? Well, not really as we speak, because I'm standing behind my microphone right now. But today, I've been walking towards Mordor. I'm not kidding you. Uh, This is an app that I found uh, at the beginning of the year. And it is, um, what's it called? Like Adventure Hike or something like that? Um, just Google it. It's not an officially licensed uh, app that, 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 that uses the, um, the names, etc. So you don't walk to Mordor, you, you walk to Mount something. It's like they, it's a play. On, it's an homage, you could say, to the story of The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings. But it's a walking app. And you start in a situation that looks identical to the Shire, and you're going on an adventure. And the, the, the quest is to walk all the way to Mount Doom or something like that and to destroy a, a, a ring. It's not the ring, it's, it's a ring. And you are not alone on that adventure. In fact, 
Here is Mr. Underhill. Hmm. And Mr. Underhill has also left the Shire and is walking in the same direction as you. But despite the fact that it's a small, small fellow, they don't say hobbit because that's a trademark, but it's a small fellow, he is incredibly dedicated to his quest. So he walks so fast. He can easily walk like 10 or 12 miles per day. Per day. <laughs> and then what the app does, it counts your footsteps and it, uh, it measures it up against Mr. Underhill. And so you have this map on the app itself. The app is, I think, it's four bucks or something. It's really not, not very expensive. Um, and it, uh, it shows you a map. And it also has this beautiful artwork every day where you see... It's a bit like silhouette. A silhouette. It, 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 it's reminiscent of some of the posters that came out around the Lord of the Rings where you have the silhouette of the fellowship against beautiful backdrops of mountains and stuff. Well, they emulate that in the app. And um, and it also shows you sometimes what happens after a day of walking. It says, oh, you're now um, taking some time to rest at a campfire or you're in a small village and um, you're meeting some locals here and they point you to in the right direction, etc. So it's, there's a little bit of storytelling. It looks a very beautiful app. But if you can't keep up with Bilbo, and you know what? I love to walk. I walk a lot. I run a lot. But even I can't keep up with Mr. Underhill. So he's going to be at that mountain way earlier than I am. But thankfully, he's not the only one. There's also a certain fellow called John Snowflake. And John Snowflake is a lot slower because he is constantly, he's a bit ADHD. So he's constantly distracted and then he gets into a sword fight or he needs to polish his, his boots and whatnot or his horse is hungry. So he trails behind behind uh, Mr. Underhill. And so he's a little bit easier to, to keep up with. But I did have a couple of days where I couldn't even keep up with John Snowflake. Uh, John Snowflake. <laughs> and then, thankfully for me, there is a third uh, person. I think there are actually four in total. I forgot the, there's this one, one other person that is walking. But um, there's also Harry Potterfoot. Was it Harry Potterfoot or Harry... No, it's po or Potter Harryfoot. It's Potter Harryfoot or something like that. <laughs> sounds like a like a, a hobbit, and it sounds like a certain wizard boy. Um, and I think it's Potter Harryfoot, but I'm not certain. Um, walks extremely slow and is really really easy to keep up with. And in fact, I think I'm now ahead of him, um, so he's taking his time. I just hope that he's not going to uh, use some flu powder all of a sudden to um, to get ahead of me uh, through through magic. That can happen as well. But um, it, it is a really fun app, and uh, you can start whenever you want. You know, I started this at the beginning of the year um, because I wanted to have a goal. And this seemed to be... There are also other apps that do the same, and they are licensed. There is this one app, and, and you get actually a reward when you walk a certain distance with the Fellowship. And it's this beautiful medal that they send you. And it's like, uh, or, or even like a miniature version of the ring encased in a, like a beautiful Shire 3D whatever plaque that you could put on uh, on the mantle at home. But that is, that is a, a service and you pay a lot of money for that. Uh, this one is free because it's not licensed and it's, it's it, 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 it gets very close. So I'm like, mm, legally, there are, they're taking some risks there, I believe. 
Um, but it, it, it's a lot of fun and I think it holds up. Um, let's see what it's called. I'm trying to, I, oh yeah, it's called fantasy hike, fantasy hike, and it's available on iOS. I'm not sure if there is also a version for, um, um, for Android. And I think you can also use it for free. Yes, you can use it for free, but then you can only walk a very small distance. So if you only walk a few kilometers every day or a few miles, you may want to try out the free version. If you walk more, if you want to keep up with Mr. Underhill or even John Snowflake, then you probably want to um, purchase the unlimited distance um, um, version or the, uh, the unlock but it's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a beautiful app, and I just wanted to mention it here. So I have a, a, another excuse to talk about The Lord of the Rings. Oh. Japanimation. Yeah. Ah! This year, I'm really getting back into anime. Um, and what I'm doing every month is to pick one anime series that I watch in a more consistent way. And this first month of the year, it's going to be Vinland Saga. It has only got two seasons. So it's a little bit easier to get through because it has... The seasons are pretty long. Every episode is about half an hour. And I think there are like 20 per season. So it's not like modern-day television series where you only have six episodes. Um, so it does require some some work to get through, but the story is so fascinating. And, and I love, I've mentioned this before, how they uh, use real history um, to inspire the story. The story itself is not historical, um, but they do use a lot of historical elements. And the other day I was... Um, thinking about a story um, for for TikTok, because I've got a lot of anime people following me on TikTok. Uh, by the way, hi, if you're one of them. <laughs> and uh, what I found difficult is how can I find a good way to to educate people? But also, I want, I want my videos on TikTok to be a bit personal, um, because that that's what I love about stories. It's not just that I learn something about church history, but I also want to know how it affects me. And so I've been working with um, the um, uh, Copilot, uh, which is the Microsoft app that uses ChatGPT4. And I just asked it the other day, can you, can you help me? I, I want to make a, a short video and I need a script about um, the episodes of Vinland Saga that I've seen. I don't recall exactly... Uh, how many there were, um, and, and just give me um, some ideas for an educational video, etc. And then it starts to regurgitate like all this Wikipedia info about Canute, Prince Canute. Uh, Prince Canute, I think I've mentioned him before, he's this, this very weak-looking, very uh, almost feminine guy that, who they come across. He's the son of a very brutal Danish king. And when his father dies, he is supposed to take over uh, not just Denmark, but also England. And, uh, but he's introduced in the story as this very devout Christian who has no, no spine almost. And then throughout the story, we know that historically, this guy actually becomes one of the most famous rulers of, of the Viking time, of the Viking era. And so um, 
I'm interested, of course, in seeing the evolution and how they will probably pair up this guy with the main character, Thorfinn, of the story because they're more or less the same age. And Thorfinn hates, hates Canute. He's like, ah, oh, this Canute, why do I need to hang out with him? Why do I need to protect him? He's, he's worth nothing. And then in the end, I think that they're going to team up. And, and um, it's my theory that, that Thorfinn will actually convert to Christianity over time. Um, so, uh, but then when I read the script that ChatGPT produced, it was so technical and there were so, so many like years and well, and there was this war and then that happened. And, and, and I, I'm training myself to, cons- to use artificial intelligence as if it is just someone who is able to help me with finding ideas. And so I just reacted like, oh, that's a boring story. Can you t- just... Do another try and make it a little bit more engaging and more personal. And then it did a slightly better version, but it was still very much based on all that historical data. And I was like, why don't I like this? And it was twofold. It was one of the reasons that I didn't care for that script was it reminded me of the way in which I was taught history in in school. I had, unfortunately, very boring teachers for history and, and and it's just beyond me why because why would you study history and want to become a teacher in history when you can't tell stories history is all about storytelling and for some reason i always had teachers who made turn it into like in the year 1632 as you can see in chapter five of your of your book um, the local re- king uh, made contact with the two ambassadors who then went forth to the town of bloody blah where Count so-and-so was having trouble with the local economy. And it's like, I'm like, what? <laughs> Why? Why is this interesting? Why should I learn all these, all these years and, and people? And I just, there was no heart in those stories there was for me the, what what kills history and history teaching is if you cannot show me why the what happened in the past is relevant for today i think that angle is super important for me it's very similar to what i try to do on sunday morning when i preach of course i could give a course on you know biblical history and if we look at what the um, prophet Isaiah writes here um, it's probably a, a, a retelling of the war that he wasn't even that wasn't that took place 200 years before that and all the intricacies of the of the Hebrew the biblical Hebrew and nobody would be awake so the only way that I can read the Bible and preach about it is if I look at the text and try to understand what the original context was of that story to understand what the what the purpose was and the intent was of the writer in that time. And then my hypothesis is always that people don't change. Countries change and, and, and political situations change, but people never change. The people that lived in the time of Jesus and even before that, they're still extremely similar to, to us. They react in the same way. Their psychology is the same. The, tr- the, the things that they loved, the things that they hated, the things they were afraid of, all these emotionally uh, connected issues, 
they were probably very similar, even though they didn't have the internet, they didn't have cars, they didn't have etc. So that is what makes it for me possible to take what was important to the people back then and translate it into a message that is important to us today. And, and it, it requires you to understand the context. So you need to know the historical data and you need to maybe also study history. But if you can't translate that story to today, to the people that are following my story, my, 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 that what I try to teach, then it, 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 it's not going to work. Nobody's going to watch it. It's, it, it. When we were in school, we had to. We had to sit and listen because otherwise there would be consequences. But with the internet, that's no longer the case. People just swipe to the next video if it's not interesting. So that is a, for me, it's a big challenge on how can I make every video that I, that I create relevant. And the more relevant it is, the more people will watch it. And then they may learn something in the process, but only if it has a meaning to them. I, I don't think that, mo that a lot of young people nowadays have uh, the patience to just uh, gather information without knowing exactly <laughs> why, why they should. And I think it also robs history of its uh, truly transformative power. I think one of the main reasons that we need to study history is that it can teach us about today and it can help us to also interpret current day events. So almost anything that happens today has happened before. It's, 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 it's just because humans don't change that much. And this is, I think, why the Bible stays so relevant, because ultimately it's God's word. It's a conversation, you could say, between God and us. And the people back then were very similar to us nowadays. And so God, God never changes. And that makes those stories so, so relevant, so true for today. But you need to always look at the way you retell that story and strip it from the stuff that is no longer relevant. And in this case, I would say I, I, I'm, I'm, so I'm still trying to figure out a way to talk about Vinland Saga on TikTok without being boring, without being the history teacher that, that just mentions years and, 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 and frontiers and, and movements of Viking ships. And well, none of that matters. It's like, why? Why is that story still so important to us? I think ultimately it is, for me, it's, it's going to be in the conversion of these two boys. One from being this devout but very powerless uh, prince turned king. Uh, and then Thorfinn, who is so bitter and so hurt and so traumatized by the, by the murder of his father that he, his, only his initial reaction can only be violence. And then through his contact with Canute, with Christianity, he slowly learns that there is another answer to violence. And it's not violence. It's... It's peace. It is wisdom. And I, I think that's a very strong element of the story. And, and, and that is exactly the, what I just talked about in the earlier segment. It's like, how do we react to negativity and to toxicity and to aggression? Do we just fight like Thorfinn does? Or can we find a more civilized way to react? And as Star Wars fans, I, I think we do. We do owe George Lucas this civilized reaction. Um, we are part of a more civilized age I hope at least we tell ourselves <laughs> hey thank you so much for joining me um, and if you want to listen to uh, uh, more stories um, and uh, listen to a longer version of the show uh, I, I 
the, the door is wide open to my Patreon community. And it's a lovely community where actually, when I talk about positive people and sharing positive fandom, this is why I, I, I have this community where we protect it so that it is a place where you can be yourself, you can just be enthusiastic about Star Wars. Nobody's going to, to, to talk down to you or be aggressive or anything. We really want this to be uh, a community where everybody feels valued and, and just happy to be there. And I'm happy to be there as well. So, um, yeah, take a look. Um, in the premium part of the show, I'll be talking a little bit more about um, a book that I've read that may surprise some of my followers. Because it's not a fantasy book. It's not science fiction. It's the biography of none other than Britney Spears. Now, why on earth would I read that book and what I think of it, all that and more coming in the premium version of the show? All right. <laughs> enough advertisement for my premium package thank you so much it was always a joy and maybe you'll see you live next week wednesday at six central european time noon eastern time nine o'clock in the morning pacific time hope to see you live <laughs>